Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Positively Wrestling. I'm Tim Kennard. On the other side, we've got my friend, Mr. Stephen David. How doing, Stephen? Doing all right. How's it going, Tim? Pretty good, pretty good. On today's show, a special look back, uh, a pay-per-view re-review of King of the Ring 1996. Um, this, of course, went down at the Mecca Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, June 23rd, 1996, to be specific. Um, and uh, why did we pick this episode, Steve? We picked this episode because it is the first live event you and I attended together in a long history of going to events. Uh, This was my high school graduation present from my parents that you just happened to luck in on. Um, So you're welcome. Yeah, true. All true. Aren't aren't you glad I graduated high school? I am. I'm glad you graduated so (laughs) I could go see my first show. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Forget Um, that diploma and stuff. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Who uses those? I know. Um, yeah, so this was our first show uh, as as friends. We we've been friends for a while, a couple years yeah. before this, um, but uh, this was our first show together, and it turned out to be a pretty uh, significant one in the history of wrestling. Yes, uh, very much so, and we will definitely be getting on to that. Some some little notes about the the show. Of course, uh, you had Vince, uh, Jr., and Owen Hart on commentary. Uh, Owen, of course, at this point had the cast on his arm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, thought he did a great job the whole night on commentary. Um, he was he was really funny, and uh, he he was funny in a way that that put over the other talent. Um, uh, my favorite running joke was his comments about Jake Roberts' age. Yes, and how he kept getting significantly older throughout the night. Um, of course, Jake Roberts then was actually younger than we are now, which is terrifying yes um (laughs) but uh yeah owen was great and and he he got the humor in there but he did it in a way to make the heels look heelish and the faces look sympathetic yeah Uh, so yeah he was great he was one of the high points of the show i thought i agree i totally agree uh now the show opened up with um the one of the semi-final matches for the king of the ring year and of course uh, the four people involved in those matches uh first match which we'll be getting into was of course stone cold uh steve austin versus mark marrow accompanied by sable uh and then the second semi-final match was uh jake the snake roberts versus big van vader or just vader as he yeah not in wwf not in wwf <laughs> no. uh with jim Cornette. um too many words pal one right <laughs> Vince is on the call. All right. Um, but yeah, so this first match, Stone Cold versus Mark Marrow. Um, Austin beat Savio Vega to get uh, to this match. Marrow beat Owen. Um, and so there was a lot of good commentary from Owen about this match because Marrow was in there. Um, and uh, what did you think of this match? Well, the first thing I noticed going back and watching it is... Uh, Austin was just building his reputation here. He didn't even have the glass shattering. He didn't have the music that everybody knows for Stone Cold Steve Austin today. Uh, he he really wasn't even over yet. Yeah. Um, he got a reaction, but not the reaction that you expect. 
that right. you know that if you, you forget that there was a time when he wasn't a huge megastar and this was that time um so um that i i'd, I'd kind of forgotten that and i'd forgotten he wasn't using his classic music yet so uh that hit me first uh Mero, i was uh, people don't like mark Mero. i liked mark Mero. i liked him then and i like him now um i thought the match was one of the better matches on the show it was um kind of figured austin was going to win but maybe not because at the time Mero was undefeated on wwf television yeah and i mean and it yeah that's true because i mean again undefeated they were that seemed like they had a rocket strapped to this guy um and then the growing and it and this also was very much in its infancy but the growing popularity of sable um uh, at the time so i could have easily seen um this going the other way and and correct me if i'm wrong but um i believe as they've in interviews and stuff uh we've heard from since then hunter triple h was supposed to be in this and win this one he was. Uh, he was in it. He had been eliminated by by Jake Roberts, right? Uh, leading into the into the pay per view, yeah. So he and he was supposed to win his punishment for the the curtain call, the infamous curtain call at Madison Square mm-hmm. Garden, was uh, having this win taken away from him. He got it back a year later, yeah, in ninety seven, but uh, not in ninety six. And nope. look how look how that turned out. And and turned, yeah, turned out well for everybody. I think. I think so. I think so. in the long run, I think it. it what needed to happen actually happened uh, and it's one of those wild things if if it ha- if the if the curtain call hadn't happened or the punishment happened hadn't happened would austin have gotten there where he did uh would it have helped triple h at the mm-hmm. time would it have changed his trajectory and what happened you know there's so many what ifs but yeah uh, and for for anyone listening who doesn't know what we're talking about the curtain call was uh, an event that happened after a Madison Square Garden show. Uh, Diesel, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, were on their way out of the WWF mm-hmm. onto WCW. And uh, it was their last night performing for the company. And they, they are good friends with Shawn Michaels and with Triple H and with uh, Shawn Waltman, the one, two, three kid at the time, who wasn't at that show that night. But the other four were. And uh, in fact, Diesel, Kevin Nash, wrestled Shawn Michaels in the mm-hmm. main event and after the show the four of them uh, kind of embraced in the middle of the ring and at, nowadays who cares nobody yeah. cares but back then that was a huge deal because it was yeah. the faces and the heels breaking what's called kayfabe they were they were um foregoing the storylines and the characters that they play on television and being real and uh back in 1996 you didn't do that in front of an audience yeah things were so, still like they, they they tried to keep things still very under wraps at that time. Now a couple of years later, uh, when we would actually you know go into the Attitude Era, Vince would kind of break the veil, mm-hmm. and uh, when he officially called it sports entertainment, mm-hmm. and and kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit. But yeah, at the time, very protected time in the business. Yeah, uh, and and even and and you've heard him tell stories. It's like. At the time, in the moment, Vince was like, yeah, it's fine. But then when the reaction started happening from everybody else, he's like, oh, maybe this wasn't. So now... Yeah. And two of the four of them were leaving the company, so they couldn't do anything to them. Wallman wasn't there, so you couldn't blame him. Sean Sean Michaels was the champion. And so that left Hunter, who who was supposed to be King of the Ring that year, but he was the only one they could punish. And they punished him, and they punished him for a while. 
he went on a severe losing streak. Um, he was already on one, having been beaten by the Ultimate Warrior in seconds at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, any hope of it uh, ending shortly after that? Well, it it didn't. Right. Not for a while. Uh, but this this match, something else I noticed about the Austin versus Mero match is how how much the performance aspect, the in ring performance aspect, has changed today in terms of what fans expect. Um, mm-hmm. Mero was doing head scissors, and those moves were being called high risk and high flying. Yep. And today, most fans would call it boring. Um, They'd be like, "What do you get with that hold?" <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and I, 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 we still get some of that, uh, you know, with the right people in the ring today, you can still make that stuff exciting for anybody, but a lot of people don't know how to do it. Right. Back then these guys knew how to do it. They knew how to get a reaction from a head scissors. Um, and talking about Austin still, still kind of earning his rep with the fans. He had just started using the stone cold stunner in the tournament leading up to this show. Yeah. So um, we'd only seen the Stone Cold Stunner a few times. There was no kick wham stunner here. This was he's picking you up off the mat and then slowly hitting a Stone Cold Stunner and pinning you. It wasn't the same uh, presentation that everybody remembers. And so it's interesting to go back and see him kind of just getting out on his own away from Ted DiBiase, who had been his manager. He'd been using the Million Dollar Dream or the Cobra Clutch as his finisher. And so he's he's finally finding his own place and he's establishing his own um, character and his own spot. And uh, this is kind of the beginning of it in more ways than one, but uh, including the in-ring performance aspect of it, this was a good match. It was good. And uh, he got hurt during this match. Yeah. Had to go to the hospital. uh, Something like 16 stitches, a bunch of stitches in his mouth when uh, Merrill went for that rolling prawn clutch pin uh the one that owen complains that he beat him with mm-hmm. um and he accidentally kicked uh, austin right in the mouth and uh so austin went to the hospital after this match got sewn up and then came back later for the final so tough guy that's for sure yeah i mean two great workers in this match i agree one of the better not matches of the night if maybe not one of the best i mean i think one of the best not the best i'll talk about that later but i think yeah. one of the best um but yeah, great match. Of course, Austin uh, goes over with the Stone Cold Stunner, uh, one, two, three, um, and moves on to the finals. And of course, that rolls us right into the next match. Uh, we alluded to, of course, Jake versus Vader. Uh, Jake, of course, you said beat Hunter to get here, and uh, Vader beat Ahmed via some interference from Owen and his cast. Um, and... Uh, I mean, they played this one well, I guess, because you want you wanted Jake to move on. Vader, I don't know how many people would buy that Jake would beat Vader clean <laughs> at the right. time, and you want certainly not at this time. Yeah, and they wanted to protect the monster that was Vader. Um, so this, of course, ended with a screwy finish, uh, going for the DDT and Vader uh, grabbing the ref and getting DQ'd for. Yeah, touching the referee for pushing him out of the way so he wouldn't count yeah what's, what's so. the idea um can, can we everybody mentions this but i'm going to mention it too because i'm okay. I'm, I'm part of everyone right right so um jake the snake roberts best ddt in wrestling history period nobody's done it like jake before i don't think anybody did it before no jake, i agree uh, i think he invented the move um 
if I'm wrong, I'm sure somebody will tell me. Um, but I think I'm right. And certainly nobody's done it like him since then. Um, it looks like it kills people when Jake yeah. Snake Roberts does a DDT. It looks like, oh, that guy's never getting up. Um, and part of it is in the way that he helped people bump. He told them how to bump mm-hmm. when he delivered it. Uh, it. It takes two to make a move look good. And that includes the recipient. And he he guided them on how to do that. I think the art of bumping for a DDT has been lost along the way. And I think it looks a lot more cartoony now than it did when Jake the Snake Roberts was doing it. But man, you believed his DDTs. In fact, you believed everything Jake did. This yeah. was his comeback. This wasn't him in his prime. He'd he'd gone through a lot of a lot of stuff in his time off. He'd left WWF in 1992 and moved on to WCW for a little while. And then he just, uh, yeah, he hit rock bottom. And this was him coming back um, and uh, making the best of it. Of course, Vader attacks him after the match. Um, hits him with some avalanches and the Vader bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's, and Jake couldn't go physically like he used to go. Um, we'll t- I guess we'll talk more about that when we get to the final. But yeah, after the match, uh, Vader attacks Jake to, to set up some story that's coming on later on in the night. Yeah, because uh, I think it ends with them kind of carting him away, and they mention that he's heading to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and both, final, would, both final competitors in the hospital. Are we going to have a final, Tim? What's going to happen? Who knows? Well, I guess we'll find out. Um, but I will say, yeah, uh, with Jake, I totally agree. He was uh, one of my favorites when I first started uh, watching wrestling, which uh, I, you know, I'd go rent videotapes this is before i was watching it like on a weekly basis video and i always loved when jake was on the card yeah um i like seeing him uh bring out the big boa constrictor the python and uh and i just i just loved how cool he seemed he made Uh, pythons cool before val venus ever did that's right um and 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 it was such a a feel-good moment even as a fan at the time uh to see jake try to make this comeback Mm -hmm. even though you could tell he couldn't, as you say, physically go like he used to, but just the fans were so into it, mm-hmm. like because the the returning hero who had been gone and and, and everything. So that, I thought they they played it very very well with the structuring of this tournament overall, mm-hmm. um, with how it advanced and turned out. Yeah, and and Jake Jake was never he he was not sizzle he was steak. Um, he, he, he didn't jump off the top rope. He didn't do drop kicks. He didn't do flips. He was believable. And yeah. that's what people got into when he talked, you listened, he made you cause he whispered, he talked like this and you, you listen to what he said. And I mean, if he wanted to, you know, with the AEW, he could still be the top heel in the business today. Um, from, from a mic working perspective, uh, see the peanut butter Falcon. If you don't believe me. Um, he was great in that movie and he was, he was a heel in that movie and he made <laughs> me so angry in that movie, but uh, that's Jake. That's awesome. Um, current AEW Jake's a little weird for me. He smiles too much. What's with all the smiling? I know, right? Um, we never got smiles back in the day, a smirk maybe, but no teeth. We never got teeth. Now he's showing seen. off those, those bright teeth that he's got. It's a little yeah. odd for me. Yeah. One of the best promos in the business. Yeah. Um, with some of the ones he's cut in AEW, still one of the best promos in the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, once a talker, always a talker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, much, much love and respect for Jake. I'm thrilled that he's finally 
conquered his demons. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm happy that he's, he's still working in the business. Yeah. Um, I think we owe a lot of that to DDP too. And DDP. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to you. Helped him out a lot. That'll be for another show, but what a stand up yeah. guy. But, yeah. uh, moving on, uh, next up, we had a tag title match. Uh, you had the champions, which was the smoking guns, uh, managed by Sonny, uh, and versus the Godwins with Hillbilly Jim, old Phineas and Henry. <laughs> poor, poor WWE Network. I guess they don't have the rights to don't go messing with a country boy because that uh, generic music you have on the network when the Godwins come out. Ah, oh, it's so disappointing. I want the classic. Oh, I, I guess if they don't have the rights, we don't either. I can't sing it here, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, good stuff. I I missed it. Yeah. Um, Hillbilly Jim, what a fun guy. Yeah. Always, yeah. what a character. I mean, and talk about you know just the throwback to the the bygone age of the characters in. Yeah. 80s and 90s wrestling yeah and hillbilly jim one of the best yeah um and of course uh, just a side note because uh i think if i remember correctly did you get to meet henry godwin or somebody you knew was dating him to. no it was uh someone we went to high school with worked with his dad worked with the girl a, a girl who was dating him back in our oh, hometown. oh okay and okay. he was coming to visit her in our hometown henry godwin and um this person we went to school with uh, told me that uh, Henry Godwin was going to be coming to uh, his dad's office uh, to pick this girl up from work. And so I went with this person to his dad's office and we sat and waited. But Henry Godwin got lost and oh. <laughs> couldn't find the office. And so I didn't get to meet Henry Godwin that night. Um, oh. I got to meet the girlfriend. She was sitting there waiting and she was talking to him on the phone. And and uh, But it never happened. He did send me an autographed picture after the fact, though, via via his girlfriend and our our classmate. Um, but no, so close. Good memory, though. Yeah, well, I remembered the, the autograph yeah. and the picture. I just couldn't remember if the story was you actually got to meet him or how you came to have it. I, I didn't right. do it. had something to do with possibly meeting him. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, good match here. Smoking Guns, uh, pretty much playing the heels. Uh, newly turned, newly turned heels. Newly turned. The thing uh, here, so we we had tag teams here, but the tag teams were presented a little differently than they used to be. Tag teams in the mid to late '80s of WWF were presented as an attraction all on their own, and then once the days of the Hart Foundation and the Rockers and Demolition kind of passed. Uh, tag team wrestling lost its luster there. And so we have tag teams here, like the Smoking Guns and the Godwins and the Body Donnas at this time. But it's not the same. They're, they're not presented with the same credibility that they used to be presented with. A lot of times, um, you put any two single stars together and they will beat any of these established tag teams. And so I, I, I don't think the appeal was there overall for this match or many of the matches involving actual tag teams of the time, because as soon as you put the smoking guns against Owen Hart and Yokozuna, they lose. Um, these tag teams only seem to be able to get wins over each other. And so how credible are they as tag team champions when you know they're going to lose as soon as Shawn Michaels and Diesel are standing across the ring from them? Um, but I, and I think part of the solution to that at this time was making Sonny the center of the entire tag team division. Yeah. She was the focus of it because every time somebody new won the titles, she jumped yeah. to them. Uh, it, it worked. Um, it got a reaction. It got attention. I don't know that it added credibility to the in-ring 
presentation, but it did help with the reaction that they got, and it did help with um, just getting them over to some extent, but not the extent that they would have gotten over had they had the same credibility that they had back in the day of the of the mid eighties. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's something to say that Sunny is basically what made these teams over. Yeah, at the time, if you took Sunny out of this whole equation. You'd be left with kind of a okay, meh, yeah, tag team division, yeah, and and matches, but her presence and she was so over at the time. If and... you weren't a fan at the time, you don't get it. You just you can't grasp how over Sunny was in nineteen ninety six. I'd I'd say easily one of the top five stars in the company, maybe even higher than top five. Yeah. Um, Sable hadn't caught up to her yet. Eventually she did, but at this point she hadn't. And Sunny, man, she was as over as anybody. And I mean, this is kind of when the dawning of internet at home was starting. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember back in the day I had AOL. Yep. And WWE had their own little AOL landing page. And when they released uh, one of her calendar pictures or something of Sunny, uh, she overtook Pamela Anderson for the most downloaded and searched celebrity in the yeah. world. Yeah. Which is insane. Yes, insane. it is. It um, is. But it yeah. Is. Of course, we had her counterpart here, Cloudy. I was going to say, there was a backstage segment before this match, and they're starting to bring up Cloudy, who the body Donna's had brought in. Who yeah. played Cloudy? Jimmy Shoulders. A okay. wrestler named Jimmy Shoulders, mostly an independent guy. This would never work today, by the way, this you could not do this today. If you don't know who Cloudy was, Cloudy was Jimmy Shoulders, basically playing a copy of Sonny in drag. Um, played for, for comedy more than anything. Uh, I don't think, no matter how you play it, it wouldn't work today. Uh, it didn't really work then, because really, Cloudy only made a handful of appearances. Yeah. Um, never wrestled or anything like that. There was never any sort of payoff. This is when they were trying to to get Cloudy over. Cloudy had actually come out earlier in the night. There was a free-for-all match on the pre-show oh, with the right. Body Donnas against the New Rockers. Um, and so, yeah, Cloudy was uh, Cloudy was with the Body Donnas, and the Body Donnas actually beat the New Rockers because, you know, the New Rockers were an actual tag team. So um, <laughs> it's the only way these tag teams can win is against other actual tag teams. So, um, but yeah, it just it, it didn't work. It would uh, get bad press for them today. Oh, yes. Um, and, and it got no press for them in 1996. It didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, but I, I almost think, you know, Cloudy was introduced just to keep Sunny in the conversation, just to give her something else to talk about and give her more time on the camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do they um, need an excuse? Do they need an excuse to put, oh, to I put know, Sunny right? on camera? Yeah. Um, and uh, another thing I noticed, uh, Throughout the night in the matches, um, and even on this one, uh, as we're talking about, you know, different work rate then and everything, the refs, I think, also a huge difference. I was just like, the cadence of the count is quicker than it is today. Um, okay. It just seemed like, and not like a speedy count, but you can just tell for dramatic effect in today's wrestling, it's, more, you know, like a, a one, two, three. But some of the ones on this is like one, two, three. You know, it's it's pretty mm -hmm. quick. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Any um, reason you think? I, I didn't pick up on that. Any reason you think that might be? Um, I, I think a lot of it has just been with the way they've changed the business now and the pinfall is such a feature thing, especially because now you have so many near falls yeah. in matches. 
left yeah. and right. Um, and it's, I think it's, they've elongated a little bit to build the drama yeah. of every pinfall. Um, I think back then, you know, pinfall was a big thing. Um, but I don't, I think they didn't want to make it very different because you don't want to call attention to it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that somebody couldn't be like, oh, he's counting a little slower. This has got to be it. Yeah. Or, you know, or this is the big kick out. Uh, yeah. Kind of thing. So I think yeah. that might have something to do with it. There are definitely tells in wrestling that let uh, a, a longtime viewer or uh, and a, a very attentive viewer know what's going to happen. And the more you can prevent those or avoid those, rather, the, the yeah. better. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, the smoking guns win this match, mm-hmm. uh, retain the belt. Yeah. Using uh, a boot as a foreign object, which never made much sense to me because you wear boots. Yes. So why, why would hitting someone with a boot that you're not wearing be so much more devastating than kicking them with the boot that you are wearing? Yeah. The only way I think it believably could be more effective is like if you took the, the point of the boot and tried to hit somebody in the eye with it to block. I guess. But that's not what happened. Yeah, it's not what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, doesn't work here. Yeah, right. but that's what happened. That yeah, there's your ending. <laughs> but yeah, so they win. Sunny celebrates. Crowd, yay! <laughs> <laughs> crowd was. I mean, they were into the match, but again, most of the guys they were into Sunny. sunny. <laughs> yeah, we were there. We know. Yeah, <laughs> even from our seats. <laughs> which, which, by the way, were basically. I was afraid we were going to get hit by the King of the Ring blimp. That's how high we were. It's very wow. true. We were basically in Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see Ohio from where we were sitting. <laughs> so next up, there was an interview uh, with the Bulldog, uh, gearing up for the title match with Shawn Michaels later in the night. And, of course, drawing attention to Mr. Perfect, who was our special guest referee. Right. And he, he was in the uh, the dressing room at the time in the background. So a lot of, oh, collusion, accusations. Yes. Why are you in the dressing room of someone participating in the match? And and I Lock, think... Locker room. Locker room. They'd prefer yeah. locker room, right? Locker room. But, uh, and I think that's kind of a lost art, I think, in today's world of wrestling is uh, the use of the backstage interview and promo in such a a clever and storyline advancing way that isn't just somebody talking and then there's an attack, you know, Mm -hmm. but that gives a little bit of context, a little bit of depth of, to the storyline without having any actual action. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Added layers. I like that a lot, but I was going to say they were panning the crowd at this point and there was a guy just full on dressed as gold dust. Cosplay. Cosplay. Cosplay was big. Yeah, uh, and you, you get like one or two of those at, at a show. You they'd catch somebody who's dressed up, uh, just like the Hogan guy that was always yeah. at every Hogan show dressed just like him. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, yeah. For some reason, you dressed as Leaf Cassidy, and I could never figure out why. Ah, uh, yeah. Hmm. It was dream, a good look. Dreams, dreams gone by. You know. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, so next up, uh, Jerry Lawler. Still doing his in-ring performing at this time in his career. Occasionally. Uh, occasionally. Mm-hmm. Comes out and just rips the crowd a new one for like yeah. five minutes. His entire entrance was just roasting the people he saw on his way to the ring. Man. And some yeah. of the stuff he said. I mean, it's just yeah. like, wow. That's uh, a strong point. He's, yeah. he's good at that stuff. And, and, and again, it works. It gets that heat. 
Yeah. yeah. People they couldn't wait to see him lose. I mean, yeah. get yeah. beat up. And some and, of the things he said would not go over well today either. Nope. That yeah. is very true. <laughs> yeah. Fire up uh, the network if, if you want to. I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about him here. Fire up that network and watch his show and you'll you'll hear. Yeah. Wow. Um, but uh, of course, facing the ultimate warrior who had um, come back earlier in the year because I know he was a mm-hmm. part of WrestleMania. Yeah, that was his comeback match. That was his comeback match. against against Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yep. Yep. And um, and they built to this feud uh, nicely with the the portrait and the portrait uh, where he wore the baseball cap yeah. to protect himself. From getting it. the only time in his career he ever wore a baseball cap because he knew he was going to get hit in the head with mm-hmm. that portrait. And it was the silliest thing that, yep. just like we were talking, it was a dead giveaway tell yeah. that he was going to get hit in the head with that portrait. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It was, it's like he didn't Never trust worn a hat ever before. Never. Never. In yeah. character, anyway. Right. Uh, but yeah, just so crazy. It was so, it was so surreal to see Warrior. Full on face paint, the garb, baseball hat. <laughs> baseball hat. Right. Yes. Yeah. It, very unnatural. And yeah, it just obvious that he was gonna get hit with that portrait. What a, yeah. And and it was all due to him not trusting Jerry Lawler to do what he was gonna do safely. Yeah. And come on, Lawler's been doing it even at that time. He'd been doing it for decades. So and, people, uh, and a lot of people have said Lawler's one of the safest guys in the business to work yeah. with. Uh, yeah. I mean, look at the stuff he did with Andy Kaufman. Yeah. You know, a guy, a little stick figure guy that he tossed around the ring and Andy was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. I mean, he knew what he was doing. And we have, we had a quick little match here. Obviously, it's not going to go very long. Um, it, it's not. Lawler got a lot of offense at the beginning. He he started the the, the match by attacking him with the scepter. Uh, I wonder if it would have been better more as just a flat out squash. Now, it, it did get the heat for Lawler at the beginning, but we all knew where this was going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking it would be more like the Honky Tonk Man match at SummerSlam 88, a 31-second squash, and I think that would have been better for the crowd and the audience. That's what everybody wanted to see, and I think it would have got a huge pop, something along, maybe not a, an exact duplicate of that, but something closer to that. But once the warrior got going, he overtook him in just a matter of seconds, and I think uh, I think it should have happened faster. Yeah, it should have ramped into it a lot. Let, you know, Have Lola still attack him with the scepter, Sure, beat him down for... You know, max maybe a minute, and then right yeah. into the warrior Hulk, Hulk up basically, or warrior up. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, but it went on. It went on for several minutes. Yeah, um, um, as if they wanted us to believe that Lawler might actually win. But come on, nobody thought that. Nobody thought Lawler was winning. And uh, this was the Ultimate Warrior's last pay per view match for the WWF. Oh, this that's is it. Right, this is the he, one where he basically held up McMahon for money. Uh, no, that was SummerSlam '91. Oh, that was this 91. This one oh. where he, he started missing shows after oh, this. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had him backwards. I had him backwards. Yeah, and was replaced at uh, the next pay-per-view by Sid in yeah. the six-man tag match. So this was this was it. This was It wasn't his last televised match, but it was his last pay-per-view match for the WWF. And uh, yeah, not long after this, he was gone and didn't come back into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, WCW, for that ill-fated uh, angle oh with Hogan. Ooh, when, yeah, yeah. when we do a show about some of the worst matches, <laughs> that's going to be on there. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> yeah, it, that, that's not a that's not a guarantee. That's a spoiler. <laughs> um, yeah, so Warrior goes over, of course, uh, via pinfall. Uh, then we shoot backstage to an interview with Gorilla Monsoon talking about Jake and his condition. 
And uh, do they have a story about Gorilla Monsoon? Oh yes, we do. Uh, funny enough, uh, while we're walking to the arena uh, for this pay per view, we look uh, down the block and across the street. Across the street, and we're just like, yep. "Is that Gorilla Monsoon?" <laughs> and yeah. it was just walking down the street. Yeah, uh, we we jaywalked like the bad boys we are. That's right. To get across to the street, across to the other side of the street, to and uh, yeah, we got to meet. Gorilla Monsoon, and he was very, very friendly. Cool. It was very fast. We didn't yep. stand around and talk about our lives. We introduced ourselves politely, and 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 uh, he was very nice to us, and we let him get on with his day, but it was very cool. Very cool. Told us to enjoy the show, and I mean, which we did, of course, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, very cool. Very cool. One of the first times I had gotten to meet uh, a performer, a, a yeah. pro wrestler, an entertainer, uh, and a legend. Yeah. I mean, I don't know many people who've, who've gotten to meet Gorilla. It's not like he, he was doing cons. He was gone before conventions yeah. were a thing. So, um, And not, he wasn't doing autograph appearances. That wasn't a thing back in his, his heyday. So, yeah, not too many people got to meet Gorilla. So I feel pretty privileged that, that we got to do that. I agree. Um, but, yeah, so he does some talking about Jake and about him being at the hospital. And, you know, he, he won't be afraid to... To call the match if he has to, if he doesn't think Jake can continue. Just adding some more layers of drama here mm-hmm. uh, for the King of the Ring final. Um, but then we shoot into um, uh, a marquee kind of matchup. Uh, Mankind versus The Undertaker with Paul Bearer. Their first uh, pay-per-view match against each other. And, you know, good back-and-forth match. Two great workers. Legends. It starts hot. The first move of the match is a flying clothesline off the top rope by The Undertaker. That's because how it he, starts. Because he does the rope-a-dope. Paul Bearer comes out, and it's like, where's The Undertaker? And they're playing it up like, finally, Undertaker, it's someone he's scared of. It's mankind. And then lights come up, and there's Taker just on the corner waiting. Yeah, um, it was great. The story leading in is that mankind has his number, because he kept putting him down in non-match segments. And that was the story going in. And this was their first pay-per-view match together. Everybody knows it wasn't their last. Um, maybe we can talk about one of their other matches that we attended another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, th- this was my match of the night. Um, it was stiff, believable, and unpredictable. Uh, you didn't know what they were going to do. You didn't know how it was going to end. Even if you thought you did, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I loved everything about this match. These two have chemistry, uh, and there's a reason that they really never separated. They, yeah. they were always kind of connected as long as Foley was was an active wrestler. There was yeah. always a connection between Undertaker and Mankind. They always found their way back to each other, uh, yeah. and that, there's a reason for it. And always entertain the crowd 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a great back-and-forth match here. Um, Mankind, of course, picking up the victory. Um, yeah. Didn't uh, see it coming. Didn't see it coming, but what a great decision, though, for the advancement of this feud, which would go on. Um, and the with, credibility of Mankind. He was a new character at the time. He yeah. just debuted right after WrestleMania, so just a few months before this. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't always matter who wins, but sometimes it does. And sometimes yeah. a win can help someone, and sometimes the wrong loss can hurt somebody. Undertaker wasn't hurt here. He's the Undertaker. Um, he wasn't losing to to skip or zip from the body donuts. This was someone who'd been put over as a real threat, and this put mankind over more as a real threat. And uh, 
Undertaker was fine. There was he accidentally got hit in the head with the urn. Accidentally, in quotations, maybe once we saw what happened at SummerSlam. But um, so it wasn't completely clean, but it was clean enough that it made mankind look like uh, this guy's legit. Yeah, and and the Undertaker still looks strong, yep. even in the loss. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Very very good match. Um, and now that you say that, yeah, I'd say yeah, I think you're right. I think match of the night, hands down. Um, I mean, there's a couple other good matches uh, yep. c- coming up, but yep. I think this one does stand above the rest. Um, so uh, next we get uh, another backstage segment interviewing Mr. Perfect, um, mm-hmm. uh, talking about him being a uh, a partial referee uh, or impartial, excuse me, impartial referee uh, in the main event, and he claims he will be the perfect referee, of course. Um, how good was Mr. Perfect? I mean, he, he, Mr. Perfect was the first heel that I liked as a kid. Ah. He, he was the first one followed shortly by Shawn Michaels. Um, but he was the first heel I thought was just really cool. Like I wanted to be Mr. Perfect. Um, he was great. He, he understood storytelling. Mm-hmm. That, that's the key component to being a great wrestler. Every, they're all athletic. You can't just focus on athleticism because every one of them is an athlete no matter what they look like, no matter how big they are, they're all athletes. Um, You've got to have more than that. And he had everything that you need to be a great wrestler. Um, The storytelling was phenomenal. He, he knew when and how to sell things. Um, Even when he sold things cartoony, like when he got kicked in the back of the knee and would do a full flip, somehow he made it work. And I don't understand how, um, but he made everything work, and he he was completely credible. He would have made a great champion that never happened for him in WWF. Not a world champion. He was Intercontinental Champion, but not not the heavyweight champion. But I would have bought it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And he, he was great at everything he did. I was lucky enough to beat his Hall of Fame induction. Uh, Dusty Rhodes was the main eventer that night, but my main eventer that night was Mr. Perfect. And I was I was too bad he was gone by then. I would have loved to have seen him there to accept it, but... I'll take what yeah. I can get. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was happy to be there that night in Detroit. Yeah. One that was definitely gone too soon. Uh, mm-hmm. One of many. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely one of many. Um, but yeah, love Mr. Perfect loved the old school. Uh, and we don't get enough of these, these days. Uh, and when we do, they're not the same level of entertaining, but the vignettes, you know, uh, the, the Bianca Belair vignettes are reminding me of the Mr. Perfect. Vignettes. I was gonna say that. I really yes, was. They're great. Uh, and I, I'm like, and that would be, man, that kind of thing for that would be great. I'd love yeah. for them to run with that. And if she's basically, you know, not the, a female Mr. Perfect, but right. that kind of heel. Because I think she's going to be way better as a heel, mm-hmm. um, personally. Uh, that'll be for another show. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I, I definitely see the correlations there in the current yeah. day product. Um, but yeah, so quick little interview segment with him. Then we go to um, a match that was was good, was kind of crazy, more so for, I think, the undertones and the story going along with it with Goldust versus Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed Johnson. Well, talk about people who were over. Regardless of what you thought of him as a performer, Ahmed was over. Oh, people loved it. I so... loved him. I don't really know why, <laughs> but I did. Yeah, uh, maybe one of the worst promos in wrestling history. 
Um, but yeah. he just came off as being so cool. And uh, you know, I've, I've heard many people talk about how he was kind of a nightmare to work with because he didn't know what he was doing once the bell rang. Um, but we couldn't tell. So yeah. it he he was very convincing. He was a big guy. He looked like he could basically beat the crap out of anyone I've ever known. Yeah. And um, probably all at once. And he, yeah, I, I, I liked him a lot. Um, and it's kind of, I, I can't explain it. I don't know. That's one that I don't get. I don't get why he was so over, but he was. Yeah. And God, that, that intro music was so good. That got me amped. Yeah. yeah that His helped. Intro just, just, you got, you're like, yeah, I'm fired up. Yeah. Bring the, bring the Pearl River plunge, man. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but over in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the ring, you had Goldust. Yeah. Who took this character that at the time was so controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 remind me, this is before or after the the parking lot brawl match at WrestleMania. This is after. This is that, after. That was WrestleMania 12 earlier. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just what. Dustin Runnels was able to do with this character that, you know, you hear people talk, maybe it was a rib, you know, maybe it was something that uh, stemmed over from Dusty and Vince's rivalry uh, or animosity. Who knows? Um, Supposed. 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 Yeah, again, alleged. Yeah. We're not the people. This is just from other people's speculation and stories we've heard. Right. Um, but no matter what, I mean, he he made it work, and yeah. he got it over in a way that I'm sure no one fathomed would happen to the to the point where the character was still around decades later. Like he was still playing Goldust before he went to AEW, and even and in that, AEW, he still does the face paint. Yeah, it's not. I mean, obviously, he's not Goldust, but he still does some of the mannerisms. Yeah, uh, and, and stuff like that, and because it's it's just over. It's way over. It's it, it's what he's going to be known for, uh, yeah. and I mean, future Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. no, you know, no question. Yeah. Uh, and it will be because of the work that he did as Goldust. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, he he took a character that was designed to play on America's innate homophobia, mm-hmm. and which, by the way, was very revealing. I found the character very revealing about many people in this country Um, because now the way they crafted the story, he was a heel because he was touching Ahmed Johnson in a way that he did not want to be touched. I get that. Yeah. That was, that was the story. It wasn't because he was androgynous or homosexual or however you want to frame it. It was because he was touching Ahmed in ways that Ahmed didn't want to be touched. That's cool. But I think we all know that Vince was aware that it was the undertones of homosexuality that in 1996 was going to elicit a negative reaction from much of America. Um, they, they weren't seeing it. They didn't care about whether or not somebody wanted to be touched. It was like, oh, he wants to touch him that way. So we're going to boo him. Um, have things changed today? Some. Uh, I definitely people would speak out against that sort of thing now and people weren't speaking out against it then, 
but this is just a it's it's another case of Vince understanding the audience in a way that somebody outside the business probably wouldn't have thought to 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 see the audience uh, in a way to to see the audience that other people wouldn't have thought. Um, I would have never thought, hey, uh, the audience is going to react negatively. This is going to get great heel heat for this guy and get him over. But it did. Uh, it shouldn't have. It's it's bad that it did. But Vince was right. Yeah. Um, but Dustin eventually and WWF slash E eventually took the character in different directions and, and made it about much more than that. Yeah. Uh, but that's how it started. And, you know, kind of shame on America. Um, but you know what? If if Dustin and Vince want to uh, take those those people who feel that way about uh, others who are not like them and take their money, good on them. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Get because, paid. Because, yeah, I mean, it, it was very much people people who hated him were going to pay money to see him lose. Um, so yeah, jokes on them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought. Uh, I mean. A great match here. I thought it was a good match. It was um, good enough. I mean, it was it was what it was. It, you know, it's not an all time classic match. Wrestling logic alert, by the way. I picked wow. up on something in this match earlier in the night during the tag title match. Uh, the the smoking guns did the spot where the referee's back is turned and Bart claps his hands to make the referee think that the tag was made tag when it happened. wasn't. Right. Uh-huh. So the referee hears the clap. Well, in this match, the referee is distracted yet can't hear Goldust using the steel steps against Ahmed Johnson. It sounds like a college marching band parading through a library. But can't hear that, (laughs) but can definitely hear a tag being made 20 feet away. So, yeah, there's your wrestling logic alert. Yeah. And, you know, you you take that stuff with wrestling. It just comes with wrestling sometimes. But I picked up on that and thought it was kind of funny. But I will say, yeah, but at the time... We didn't think anything of it. No, definitely not. Watching it, you don't, you don't, until you go back and watch it, you don't pick up on some of those little things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is why I think it's, it's so great that we have something like the network that we can go on and revisit uh, all this stuff. I mean, you had your own version of the network growing up uh, with your VHSs. But... <laughs> yeah. I've still got those. I don't have anything to watch them on, well, hey. <laughs> but I've, I've still got my hundreds of VHS tapes. Oh man. I recorded everything. And I remember you used to write you, like detailed little piece of paper with the matches, the yep. times, all yep. of it. So I knew, I knew what match was where on what tape. Um, I put together compilations. So I have compilations of certain wrestlers. Even and, for my birthday one year, you gave me a three-tape compilation of uh, Stone Cold. Yeah, it was every match he'd had in the WWF up to that point. Which was awesome. In order. Which yeah. I, I still have those. I think they're back at home yeah. in, in, in Tazewell, where we grew up. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, those, those VHSs are still there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but moving on, getting back to uh, the pay-per-view here. Of course, Ahmed wins this match via the Pearl River Plunge. Which means new Intercontinental Champion, Ahmed new Johnson. New Intercontinental Champion. Um, yeah. And kind of, again, the the kind of one of the high spots of his career, um, hitting that, uh, the Intercontinental Championship. Because uh, he was around for, what, maybe a year after this? Uh, yeah, not on. not that long. He he didn't last all that long. He just I don't. He wasn't cut out for it. He just yeah. Wasn't. Um, I say great look, great mm-hmm. energy, 
just not enough skill to go along with it for the longevity. Yeah. Um, uh, after this, I thought it was really neat to to see this, and I'm glad they they kept it in the network uh, broadcast of this uh, pay per view on on WWE Network. But the uh, the VHS in your house commercial, yes, uh, featuring the aliens and then Sunny at the end. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Got to throw it. Sunny sells it. Got to throw Sunny in. Yeah, Sunny Sunny sold it, and it was just so funny and just so quirky. And it's like. And we don't get that today because it's yeah. a whole different age. Uh, well, and I, I miss the sets too. Like I love yeah. the ring set. Uh, I miss those specific pay per view sets. Um, there, there was a lot more character. Everything kind of looks alike these days. Yeah, uh, and and I miss them going to the effort to make each show look a little different. Um, of course, after that uh, fantastic commercial, uh, we come back to JR uh, there at ringside giving an interview to Brian Pillman. Yeah, he doesn't get enough credit for kind of his part in the dawn of the Attitude Era. Yeah, uh, the interview he gives here was unlike anything that we'd really seen or heard in the WWF up to that point. Austin gets all the press and Austin certainly, you know, he, he was the rocket ship. But uh, I think Brian Pillman might have been the match uh, that that lit that fire. I mean, here in this interview, he's talking about giving a damn and and the phrase stupid son of a bitch. You did not hear that on yeah. WWE television. That was shocking. Uh, he's talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> what? Yeah. You didn't talk about Jeffrey Dahmer in wrestling. And even during this interview... Uh, when he does do the SOB line, immediately Vince is just like, we apologize. Yeah. Like, it's like, whoa. Uh, and just to make it that much more big a deal. Uh, you barely heard damn or hell on yeah. WWF television. That that was shocking when you heard it. When the Million Dollar Man wanted to buy the WWF championship from Hulk Hogan, and Hulk Hogan had his own promo, his own interview, and his response was, hell no, that was jaw-dropping. Yeah. And so Brian Pillman coming out and saying the things he said in this, um, yeah, I was afraid my dad was going to be mad. He was with us. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um, kudos to your dad for taking two young kids, uh, driving uh, from Virginia to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for a pay per view that. Yeah. He don't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, that, and, that guy beat the other guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They count to what? Uh, th- this was not my first show, but this was my first pay-per-view that I'd ever attended. So this was this was a special one for me, too. I'd always wanted to go to a pay-per-view. Um, I'd been to Wrestling Challenge tapings. That's the closest I'd gotten. Uh, <laughs> wrestling Challenge tapings and house shows. That was pretty much all I'd, I'd done up until this. So, yeah, that was cool for him to do that. For yeah. parents to fund it and then him to go. For graduation yeah so awesome um uh but yeah this interview with pillman so crazy so awesome um and of course at the end as he's walking off we get the intro of stone cold for the finals mm-hmm. of king of the ring and they have a little moment as stone cold gets to the ring a little acknowledgement between the two of them which is kind of wink wink nod nod yeah i remember you like yeah, and like and for if you knew if you knew him from their WCW days or mm-hmm. NWA days, um, WCW, yeah, yeah, you know, WCW, mm-hmm. um, of with them being the Hollywood Blondes and everything, mm-hmm. it was you know it was kind of a 
a cool Easter egg, as they say today, right. uh, for the for the for the faithful wrestling wrestling fans back then. Yeah. Um, of course, yeah. So this is the finals. Uh, we got Jake and Stone Cold, and um, Stone Cold's out first. Then you get Jake just kind of hobbling to the ring, uh, being attacked by Vader. Yeah, Austin's yeah. back from the hospital. He's got his stitches. Um, and they do everything they can. They definitely pull so much attention to that. They want to want you to know that these stakes are high. These guys have been through hell. Yeah. And one of them is going to be King of the Ring. And you have a, a relatively quick match here. It's uh, a squash. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just squash. it's pretty much over and done. Yeah. Austin getting the win. Yeah. Well, and that was the point of the Vader attack earlier. It wasn't yeah. that Jake needed protecting from a win-loss perspective. It was that Jake couldn't do a long competitive match and so he needed protect protection from that perception that he he's not on the level he would have had a competitive match had vader not attacked him earlier in the night right that that was the idea not that austin couldn't have won just that he wouldn't have won as easily right. uh, it was a short match it only went a few minutes this this isn't going to be on anyone's list of greatest matches ever uh, but it does lead to something that uh, is definitely on a lot of lists of greatest moments ever. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, after the match, um, we get uh, Doc Hendricks. <laughs> Doc Hendricks. <laughs> the name just makes me laugh. What a rib. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, of course, that's the fabulous Freebird. Well, he, uh, he chose it. He came up with the name. He chose it? Yeah. Man, he, he chose it because it's a it's a combination of two of his favorite musicians. Oh, OK. Well, so uh, Jimi Hendrix, obviously. Jimi Hendrix. Yep. And, and uh, uh, Doc Severinsen, I think. OK. OK. Yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. I didn't realize that. I didn't know. Yep. I, um, I was unaware that he actually came up with it. So, OK. Mm-hmm. Yep. I still think it's funny, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's still Michael Hayes. Like. <laughs> he's still Michael P.S. Hayes, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but sad. Didn't have the hair. He cut the hair for the Doc Hendricks. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, so he's there to interview Austin for his coronation as the 1996 King of the Ring. And what follows is one of the most defining promos of any wrestling persona in history. Yeah, maybe uh, the most defining promo, maybe the most yeah. important promo in wrestling history. Yeah. Uh, the only thing in, and some of this is part fandom, but the only one I think I've heard since that evoked such a moment, like that I knew it was a moment watching it and rewatching it, is the pipe bomb. Sure, but that didn't lead to the same results that this right. one did. Not, yeah. not, doesn't lead to the same result. I'm just talking about that moment in time. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't have the impact that this, yeah. Happened. But this was just so crazy. Um, Jake had been, uh, in an interview talking about because he was very much, you know, the born again yeah. kind of thing and, and John 316 and all that stuff. And then Austin whips together this promo kind of out of nothing. And comes up with Austin 316. Yeah. You talk Just about on the spur of the moment. Yeah. You talk about your John six your John 316. Well, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. And there it is. And bam, and what 
the next night, Austin 316 signs on Monday yeah. Night Raw. Yeah. Um, not very long after, we started to get shirts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And... But, you know, it's still a, uh, to be noted that he didn't take off to the degree that we remember him immediately. If you go back right. and watch Survivor Series that year or go back and watch the Royal Rumble 1997, when he comes out for Royal Rumble 1997, there is no reaction. There's no reaction for Steve Austin when he comes out. So it takes a while for things to catch on. And I think sometimes um, fans get impatient and sometimes Vince gets impatient. Um, and it, there's no better example of being patient than Stone Cold Steve Austin. Because yeah. just letting it, it takes a while for the fans to get to know a performer and to remember. Most fans are casual fans. They don't watch every show every week. And so it takes a while for things to stick with them. But once he's stuck, uh, well, he's still sticking. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and again, the rest of the promo, great, too. We got the the one of the first, uh, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so at the end. Mm -hmm. And again, it was, he's like, here's a preview. Here's your preview. And a year from now, hold on tight. Because yeah. we're going to be off to the races. Um, yeah. And yeah, just what a moment. Uh, so privileged. I feel that, you know, my first experience uh, live was to be in the presence of that moment mm -hmm. uh, that is regarded as such a, a big um, uh, part of history. It still gets played today. People still talk about it. It's still yeah. in in advertisements for the network or this and that. I mean, it's something that will never be forgotten. Yeah. It it changed it it set the course for changing wrestling. Yes. Um part of the the dawn, we'll say, of the attitude era starting mm -hmm. to put inklings. Yeah. Um because at this point we're because we were yeah, we were full blown Monday Night Wars at this point. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because yes. uh, Razor and Diesel, Kevin and and Scott had jumped. Yeah. By this point. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So we were kind of right in the middle of WCW. Hogan out of Hogan had not yet been revealed as the third member though. That was right. That was around the, the next corner. month. That was yeah. Mm -hmm. Bash at the yeah. beach. Yeah. Bash at the beach. <laughs> right. Um. But yeah. So yeah. This is kind of just where it started to really. Start to gain some steam, we'll say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, fantastic uh, choice, and so happy they went with it after the Hunter stuff. That this became such a launching point for Steve. Yeah. And uh, still paying the bills today, based yeah. on this. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, good on him. Um, of course, that leaves us with our final match of the night. Um, of course, the world title match, Shawn Michaels with Jose Lothario <laughs> in his corner uh, against um, the British Bulldog with Linda <laughs> and uh, Jim Cornette. Diana. Or, sorry, Diana. Where, Who, um, who's Linda? <laughs> <laughs> ask Vince. Uh, <laughs> was was well, Hogan's wife with Davey, too? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, not on camera. Um, 
That's how bad rumors get started. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Um, <laughs> uh, and of course, Monsoon is out at, at the ring as well to give us the announcement that, of course, uh, Mr. Perfect will be an official, but he won't be the only official. Enter Earl Hebner, uh, who will officiate inside, and Mr. Perfect will do the officiating on the outside of the yes. ring. A significantly less impactful officiating role and 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 great character work by the heels like whoa this is preposterous all and jim Cornette doing his jim Cornette thing yeah um, and uh to to get it to let the fans know it's going to be a level playing field for this match uh what followed was a good match it was good i thought it was a little paint by numbers uh, right nothing really stood out to me it was well worked the athleticism was good. Uh, I think it's actually my least favorite match that these two had together. Um, ah. I liked the Beware of Dog match better, probably because the ending I didn't see coming, where they they both had their shoulders pinned to the mat. Right. Um, I was a fan of their Saturday Night's Main Event match in 1992, where Shawn Michaels first won the Intercontinental title. I liked that match. Um, but this was fine. It, was, uh, it wasn't a bad match. I just expected more of a roller coaster ride from Shawn Michaels and Davey Boy Smith than I got here. And I think after the roller coaster ride that Undertaker and Mankind gave us, it, for me, it just didn't quite live up to that. But it was good. And I think a lot of people would, would probably, just based on the work and the athleticism alone, might rate it above that match. Um, not me, but, you know, it's me. But it was fine. It was good. Yeah. It was a serviceable, serviceable main event, mm-hmm. um, uh, which came down to it. Uh, Shawn Michaels, of course, retaining the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a little attack angle at the end with Owen coming from commentary, uh, Vader coming out. Uh, and then, of course, making the save is um, uh, the Warrior Ahmed. And, Ahmed. and Ahmed Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, setting up what was supposed to be that six-man tag. But, of mm-hmm. course, as you alluded to earlier with this being Warriors' last match, that spot would be taken by Sid. Right. So uh, it's still six-man tag. That's not the one that they Not the one they originally intended. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, all in all, uh, you know, a good pay-per-view, a, a great first experience mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, the whole trip in general, of mm-hmm. course, you know, it was, it was like, I mean, we're on the road for almost a day. <laughs> To yeah. drive up there. Yeah, yeah, it was um, a long trip. Um, but no, lots of fun, lots of fun. Really enjoyed it. Uh, is one of my fondest memories as a wrestling fan uh, because it's one of my first. You know, yep. it's a first. <laughs> yep. Um, a lot of first meeting, meeting my first person with Monsoon, and then of course uh, my first uh, pay per view. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, a, a good event to go to. I mean, not. Only the people in the building that night can say they were there when Austin coined Austin 316. So not many people can say that. So, yeah, as a as a lifetime wrestling fan, it's pretty cool to be able to say that. Yes, I agree. Um, well, uh, that's going to about wrap it up um, with our re-review of the 1996 King of the Ring here on Positively Wrestling. Um, we'll be coming at you with some more shows uh, here in the future. Uh, some more re-reviews down the line um, and little special episodes like that. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, if you like the show, please like, share, subscribe, tell your friends. Have them, have them join us for the next one. Um, if you want to drop us a line, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Timothy K. 
Um, ask me any questions. Tell me if you like the show. Tell me if you think we suck. Whatever. It's the internet. We expect it all. Uh, <laughs> and, Steve? and you can reach you can reach me at at Bizarro Doom. That's Bizarro as in Superman's nemesis and Doom as in the Fantastic Four's nemesis. And as Tim said, you can let me know if you like us. If you think we suck, let Tim know. Yeah, well, well, very. I see. So, looks like I'm the baby face, and the heel is on the other side of the camera. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. All right. Well, everybody, take care, uh, and we will see you next time here on Positively Wrestling. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Plus Wrestlecast. That's P L U S W R E S T L E C A S T. On Twitter at Plus Wrestlecast. You can also find me at Timothy K. And Steven at Bizarro Doom. Also, search for us on Facebook by just typing in Positively Wrestling. We hope you enjoy the show and we'll tune back in for many, many weeks to come. Thanks for listening to Positively Wrestling. <laughs>